say the prayer of the day together. Stir up your power, Lord Christ, and come. With your abundant grace and mercy, free us from the sin that would obstruct your mercy, that willingly we may bear your redeeming love to all the world. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading today comes from...
come from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 to 11, and number 16. Now when the king was settled in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do, no, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David. Thus says the Lord, Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in the tent and the tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word of any of the tribal leaders of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore thus shall say to me to say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep to be prince over my people, Israel. I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for all my people, for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may live in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Our psalm reading today comes from Luke what first? Chapter, verses 46 to 55. The Lord has lifted up the lowly. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For you, Lord, have looked with favor on your lowly servant. This day all generations will call me blessed. You, the Almighty, have done great things for me, and holy is your name. You have mercy on those who fear you. From generation to generation. Your Lord has lifted up the lowly. You have shown strength with your arm and scattered the proud in their concert or conceit. Casting down the mighty from their thrones and lifting up the lowly. You have filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. You have come to the aid of your servant Israel to remember the promise of mercy. The, the promise made to our forebears to Abraham and his children forever. You, Lord, have lifted up the lowly. Our second reading comes from Romans chapter 16, verses 25 to 27. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic prophetic writing is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, 
to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Glory to the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is a sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. I read somewhere once that in the first century, when people heard this story, their immediate reaction would not have been, but that's biologically impossible. Nothing is, uh, nothing is certain, but this is something I read once. They, uh, they, they probably wouldn't have thought about that. Of course, they would have recognized that this was not an ordinary birth, because of course they knew, although they didn't know all the biological details, but they knew where babies came from. But it was a different time, and when they heard this story about the birth of an extraordinary human being, what they would have thought was, well, yes, how fitting. How fitting that this extraordinary human being, who was the Son of God, should have this extraordinary birth. If they were Jewish, they would have seen beyond that. When they heard the words of the angel or the messenger, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, they would have heard echoes of the beginning of the first book of the Bible in the Greek translation that they used, which is a little different from ours. They would have they would have remembered these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And they would have understood the Spirit that hovered over the waters in the beginning, at the creation, hovers over Mary. And everybody knows, and, and they would have known, I think, just from the experience of pregnancy and childbirth, that a baby grows in, Water. Well, that's not the technical 
that's not technically correct, but not untechnically, in, in that water surrounds a growing baby. And, and so they would have seen what Luke wants us to see. It's a new beginning. It's a new creation. It's a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what would have left them awestruck. That's what would have hit them. What, what might have surprised some people and made them question this story was the who and the where. Because a new creation, where does it begin? It begins in this little town nobody ever heard of and nobody cared about. In, in Galilee, of all places, you know, which was peripheral, people th thought, you know, peripheral in terms of who they were and where they were, peripheral geographically and religiously and culturally. The new creation begins in this little, in our terms, girl, 13, 14, a nobody, a nobody. And, and she says it herself. She says she's lowly. I mean, she's poor. It means she doesn't count. It means she's not important. And yet, Luke is saying she's important to God. And she's important to what God is doing. And so are we. He's saying that too. And the king of the Jews, because there's lots of that kind of language here too about the son of David, the coming king who will reign forever. A lot of people would have thought, surely, shouldn't he be born in Jerusalem to important people? You know, people who some might say make a real contribution to the nation, people who can give him everything and see that he's equipped to lead. This, this where it begins, <laughs> the person in whom it begins, this, they would have said, is not fitting. To some people, it was really offensive, an affront to what they believed in, what they stood for, what they lived by. Others would have recognized that this, God's choosing someone like Mary, this is entirely consistent with the, the God we know in the Hebrew Scriptures. This is the God of the prophets, a God who leads a people out of slavery, who raises the poor from the dust. And Mary is one of those people. She understands what kind of God this is and what kind of new creation this is. She can see that this is going to be a very different kind of king, a radically different kind of reign. God's recreation of the heavens and the earth, this new beginning that begins here in her, is going to mean the end of all kinds of things in the old creation. A new creation means there's something wrong with the old creation. Well, she knew that. Most of the world knows that. So the new beginning is at the same time an ending. And the new creation is also a, a tearing down, a judgment of all oppression and injustice and evil and suffering and death a casting down of the mighty, a lifting up of the lowly, a filling the hungry with good things and sending the rich away empty, as she will say when she meets her cousin Elizabeth a little later. Well, a lot of people have found that offensive too, and they still do when they really hear it. 
Jesus will say some very similar things later on, for example, in what we sometimes call the Beatitudes. He'll preach the kingdom of God, a, a new world order, if you'll forgive the term, and a, a great reset, if you'll forgive that one too. Although, you know, that supposed reset is, is nothing compared to God's reset, which is a new creation. Jesus preached the, the reign of God, where the first are last and the last are first, a, a kingdom that belongs to the poor, where the hungry will be filled and those who weep now will laugh. But woe, he says to the rich and those who have plenty to eat and those who laugh in the kingdoms of this world. And this makes me a little nervous. And it should. So Mary is already preaching Jesus' message. Mary is the first disciple. This is another thing Luke is saying. This is what a disciple looks like. This is what faith looks like. This is what trusting God and following Jesus, loyalty and commitment to Jesus, faith being part of what God is doing and what Jesus is doing, this is what it looks like. It looks like Mary. Following Jesus means saying, like Mary, yes, I'm, I'm with you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We may be frightened. She certainly was, and she had reason to be. We may not know what's going to happen. I doubt she did. And some of the possibilities for her were pretty scary once people found out she was pregnant. As a matter of fact, that turned out all right. But in the end, she watched her beloved child, tortured to death. But like her and with her, we can say, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Because to be part of this, to be part of God's work, God's recreation of the heavens and the earth and of us and of our lives, this is blessedness and life and joy and hope. It was for her. It is for us and for all creation. It's good news. It's gospel for all people. Amen. Let's confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Each petition will end with the words, Your kingdom come, and the response is, Your will be done. 
Lord, we wait with eager expectation for the coming of your kingdom when the humble will be exalted and the hungry fed. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, we prepare for your advent with searching minds and contrite hearts, trusting in your healing spirit and redemptive love. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, we watch with those who wait and weep, and some of us are waiting and weeping. We long, they long, to see the rule of justice and the reign of peace. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, we seek you among the lowly, the despised and rejected, knowing that there we will find, we will find you. We will find your light shining in the dark. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, we wrestle with our hopes and our fears and our struggles and our joys, laboring with creation to come to new birth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Let's say the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The creator of the stars, bless your advent waiting. The long expected savior fill you with love. The unexpected spirit guide your journey. Now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.